Well, my daughter is marching in the Nixa Christmas Parade this afternoon, so I've been told I have to make sure she gets to the parade on time. <laughs> so you're in luck this morning. Um, I'll never forget um, when my sec- my first daughter, she was about, oh, just a couple weeks old. She's about six weeks old, and I got to speak at Council Bluffs, and they said, take as long as you want, and because the pastor was holding her in the front row. And I said, well, she gets to determine how long this goes. As soon as she decides it's time for lunch, we're all going to lunch. (laughs) But, um, no, I'm really excited to be here this morning with all of you. I would like to introduce my family a little bit more, if I could have them stand. Um, My husband, Tim, I want to actually just clarify, he doesn't work for Convoy, but he is the Asia-Pacific Disaster Relief Response leader. And so with that, he does communicate to Convoy what the needs are in Asia Pacific um, whenever disasters happen. Uh, My husband is Tim. He is amazing. Uh, The love of my life, the most handsome man in the room. Sorry, ladies. (laughs) And then my son, TJ, who's the spitting image of his dad, but has already outgrown him at 17. Um, And then my daughter, Ariana, who is my mini-me, but better. And my youngest, uh, Esperanza Grace, who is the best mix of the both of us and the best of all of us. So if you guys would go ahead and have a seat. I am so excited and privileged to have them with me today. Oftentimes I speak for Asia's little ones across the U.S., and I don't usually get to have them with me. So it is really exciting. Uh, I do want to greet you this morning. Bula, vakavina vinaka, vua nakalo. Kalogata Vinaka Vakalevu. And that's awesome because if I pronounced that wrong or butchered it, you don't know. (laughs) But that is a Fijian uh, greeting. Hello, praise the Lord, God bless you, and thank you very much. (laughs) That is almost the extent of all my Fijian. (laughs) But no, this morning, um, I'm grateful. I'm sad that Pastor Ron isn't here, but I am grateful for the opportunity to share with you and to preach. Uh, This is the second Sunday of Advent of the Christmas season, a time of waiting and anticipation and giving. And I'm honored to share at such a church that embraces giving. I'm excited excited to share with you about the orphans at Treasure House that we have the honor of blessing this year. However, before I do that, I want to talk to you about Christmas because I love Christmas. When God gave the ultimate gift to us, his creation, can I just say really quickly how much I love that this church is having church on Christmas when it's on this, this uh, Sunday, on a Sunday this year? There are so many churches that cancel service on Christmas when it falls on a Sunday. And I just want to say, praise God for churches like you guys that don't cancel church on his day. Um, If my family and I don't have another service to go to, you will see us again on Christmas morning because that's what we love to do. When my kids have grown up in Indonesia, my youngest was born there as we served there for so many years, and one of the things Indonesians do is they celebrate Christmas as a church family. 
Like that is how you celebrate Christmas. Indonesia is one of the largest Muslim countries in the world. And if you're a Christian, Christmas is sacred and it is celebrated over and over again. <laughs> there was one year, um, one of our early years in Indonesia, that we ended the Christmas season completely exhausted because we did, what was it, like 20 Christmas services in like 30 days. It was, it was insane, the number of Christmas services that we got to be a part of. But that is how you celebrate Christmas in their context. There may not be a tree. There may not be gifts. But there will be a four-hour service to celebrate the goodness of God and the coming of Jesus to this world as our Savior. God gave himself. He gave Jesus. He gave us hope. The first light of the Advent, the first Sunday of Advent, we celebrate that hope. He gave us love. Today is the second Sunday of Advent season leading up to Christmas. And we, we celebrate the love that God poured out on us when he gave Jesus and anticipating that gift. Next Sunday is the Sunday of joy. And I love that your theme is joy. Jesus, others, you, joy. And then peace and ultimately salvation. This year, you can guess, my family, and we are doing the Advent devotionals together every Sunday. We have a big breakfast, and, and we do our Advent devotions. And I think the thing that has been impressed on me the most in this season of waiting and anticipation for Christmas, because I really do anticipate and wait eagerly for Christmas. Folks, my tree went up in October. so. <laughs> Now, granted, I was in Asia for a lot of November, so that's partly why, but I am so excited and anticipating Christmas. And the Israelites waited thousands of years for the Messiah. Advent reminds us, and we celebrate that anticipation and that waiting for the Messiah, for Jesus, for the Savior. And church, I feel a stirring like never before among the people of God to eagerly await Christ coming again. Not just to know it's somewhere off in the distant future, but there are, there are signs of the times that, that as we look around this world, we can either drown in despair or we can hope that these signs are showing us that we are close to taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, and that everyone will hear, and that Jesus will come and every knee will bow, and that Christ will return, that the kingdom of God will come in all its fullness. My sister-in-law told me once that she didn't want Jesus to return in her lifetime. Because she wanted to see her boys grow up. I have three really amazing nephews. And she wanted to hold her grandbabies. Another friend recently told me that she was worried about being raptured if Jesus returned soon because she didn't know what would happen to her dog. If we are very honest, some of us may have similar feelings or thoughts. In Bible college, we all wanted Jesus to wait to return until we got married. But Advent 
is all about eagerly anticipating the coming of the kingdom of God, not just commemorating the coming of Jesus the first time, which up until now has been the greatest event in all of human history. Some people will say, no, 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 Doris, you're wrong. That's the cross. But I'm telling you, if Jesus had not come to the cradle, he would not have gone to the cross. The greatest event in all of human history, Christmas, Jesus coming. But Advent is not just to commemorate and remember the waiting that was before that. It is to remind us to anticipate his coming again. To eagerly usher it in. To truly desire and usher in and the opportunity to step into the fullness of the kingdom of God for eternity in glory. As I ponder this, and I I was reminded this week, I had had this whole idea of of preaching on, just on giving, and, and as this whole Advent season has just been so impressed upon me, Um, God totally took me in another direction, and I was reminded of the story in the Bible found in Luke chapter 18, verse 18. If you have your Bible and you want to go there with me this morning, you can. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 18. And it's about the rich young ruler who asked Jesus what he must do to receive eternal life. And I'm going to ask if you would stand with me while I read the word this morning. Let's honor the word in that way and stretch our legs a little. (laughs) Luke 18, starting in verse 18. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard him asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, "With What is impossible with man is possible with God. May the Lord bless his word this morning in our hearts. You may be seated. If you could go ahead and put that first slide for me on the, yeah. This is the advent my husband built for me this year for Christmas. I'm very proud of it. It's beautiful. Um, and I just realized that the slides weren't up there, so I wanted to add that. But when I read this passage, and I think of the many other reasons I've heard for why we may not want to usher in the second coming of Jesus, I'm challenged that the things we hold on to and withhold from God may not be merely financial. Church, 
We live in America. We are the wealthiest nation on this earth. We are a wealthy people. And it's not all financial wealth. I got to be honest, when I was growing up, and, and even up until now, I have never really taken a pause at this scripture. I've never thought, well, maybe God's speaking to me. I grew up in a trailer in Montana. My mom was an illegal immigrant from Mexico. My dad has barely a first or second grade reading level. We were poor. My dad was often unemployed. I began working and helping to support my family at 14. This is not a sob story about me, but trust me, I did not relate to the rich young ruler. (laughs) I worked really hard to get a full-ride scholarship so I could be the first in my family to go to college. And then when God told me to give it up and go to Bible college and be a missionary, I did it. I really did not relate to this person. (laughs) But this week... God pointed this scripture at me while I was preparing for for this Sunday. So I feel like God is not just speaking to me, but he's speaking to all of us. And I hope and pray that whatever the Lord has for you, you will receive it. This scripture was impressed so heavily on my heart. As we prepare to come, and share in a celebration of giving on behalf of some incredible kids, albeit outcasts, discarded, and orphaned, yet the most beautiful children. So what is it today that the Lord is impressing on us to surrender to him? What are we holding on to that that may be holding us back from fully committing to him, from going all in? What is it that we don't want to discuss with Jesus at the, at the judgment seat of Christ? What is it that we'd rather keep to ourselves? It may be your youth. You may want to experience or taste some of the things the world of the, in the world that we know are not pleasing to God before we commit to him wholeheartedly. And by youth, I'm, I'm in my 40s, but I'm still young. So are you. It may be, but, church, the blessing and the favor of the Lord rests on those who keep their way pure even from their youth. It may be a dating relationship we know isn't right before God, but the word of God gives us clear instruction about what godly relationships look like and that our relationship with God is always first. It may be worries or fears, but God calls us to trust him and to give him our burdens. It may be our time. We may have crammed our schedules so full and be so busy we don't feel we have time to read the word or give time to prayer or drop our plans to help someone in need. But God is asking us to give the word and prayer a place of priority in our heart, in our lives, that we might cultivate deeper relationship with him and to help others who need the Lord. It may be unforgiveness, but we read in the Lord's prayer that we are forgiven in measure as to how we forgive. It may be regret 
or shame or unforgiveness of our own mistakes. This is where I fall into this category as I began to ponder this scripture. God spoke very clearly to me on Friday night, just ordinary doing what we do, but God spoke. said, Doris, you need to let go of that regret, that mom fail that you've been holding on to for a really long time. You need to surrender it. I was reminded of the words of my dad's favorite singer, Johnny Cash, that when God forgave him, he figured that he might as well forgive himself too. (laughs) It may be for someone here this morning that you've never given your heart at all to Jesus that you don't yet know him as your Lord and Savior because you've withheld all of your heart from him or your life. Or maybe you once knew him and you once gave it, but you've taken it back. Well, church, I feel like this morning, God is asking us to give a little more than we expected when we woke up this morning. He doesn't make mistakes. He gave us this word, and he brought us together this morning. And so I'm going to ask if the piano player would come. And in the middle of our service, I know it's it's different, but we're going to have a little time of prayer here. And maybe God is already speaking to your heart. Maybe there's something you know that God wants to you to surrender to him but God wants you to give to him over and over it says to pray without ceasing sometimes I think we also need to remember to surrender without ceasing or maybe you're like me and you you feel like no that scripture's never applied to me (laughs) I've never withheld something from God Well, I'm here today to say, give it a second thought. Give it a second thought. And as we pray this morning, just open up your heart and let God speak to you. Because he wants to draw you even closer. And if there's something that's in between you and him, he wants you to surrender it to him. He wants you to give him that part of what you're holding on to that it would no longer come between you, but that you would, would eagerly await that moment when you get to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come here and give me a hug. Your sins have been forgiven. There is nothing between us that we need to air out in this, in this ceremony. Come and join me in glory in the kingdom of God. Glory, hallelujah, amen. Let's bow our heads and let's pray this morning. And if you would with me, stand. And I would like to ask everyone just to take and hold your hands out in front of you. I'm a children's person, so I do things physically and and get everything involved. So hold your hands out, closed-fisted in front of you. 
And as you pray, if there is something that you are releasing or letting letting go or giving to God, just open that hand and lift it to him and worship him. But just go there with Jesus this morning. And if you don't have anything and you don't know, just open your hands and say, Lord, speak to me. Lead me, guide me. I'm open this week as you work out your salvation, as you speak your word in my life this week. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. God, we give you our unforgiveness. We give you our hurt. We give you our pain. God, we give you our sin. We repent, oh God. Oh Lord Jesus, we give it all to you. All our failings all our fears, all our doubts. We surrender everything to you this morning. Lord, we open our hands and we raise them to you. And we ask you, God, to take them. We ask you, God, to take our hands and to draw us in, to draw us close to your embrace, that we would eagerly await your coming that we would eagerly await your presence. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Just begin to worship him, church. Just begin to talk to him. If you have never given your heart to Jesus this morning, but you feel a stirring, you feel that there's something going on here and you don't totally understand it, but you want this. You want to know your God. You want to know Jesus as your Savior. And pray with us this morning. Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my sin and my failings, my past. Jesus, please forgive me. And draw me close to you. Fill my life. Lead me, oh Jesus. And help me to follow you. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer just now, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Church, you know, in the word it says that he desires he desires our heart greater than our sacrifices in the old testament they would sacrifice bulls and and he said a broken and a contrite heart is a greater sacrifice than than anything that you put on the altar and that's what we're doing here this morning cuz we're going to give our offerings in a physical form here in a little bit But this morning, before we do that, we're giving everything in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise your holy name, O God. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless your people. God, I pray that you would pour out your promises upon us that you would continue to speak to us throughout this week about the rich young ruler. In Jesus' name, amen.
You may be seated. You know, the rich young ruler, he was the guy that had it all together. Everybody would have looked at him and would have said, oh, that guy, he is blessed because he does everything right. He is a model citizen. He is incredible. But only Jesus knew what he was still holding on to. He sees our hearts. Praise God he does. Praise God he does. And you know what is even more exciting? We cannot outgive God. We can't do it. It's the best news ever. Jesus calls us to give. He calls us to give over and over again. He calls us to never turn a blind eye to the poor and the needy and the orphan and the widow. He calls us to never withhold anything from him. He calls us to surrender everything. But we cannot outgive God. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says, Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Church, when we give God our purity and our use, God's presence and favor rests upon us all the days of our life, and a joyous expectation of his presence walks with us into eternity. When we give God our relationships, a greater intimacy with our creator and joy fills our hearts. When we give God our worries and our fears, we receive peace that passes all understanding. We cannot outgive God. When we give God our time, he gives us eternity. Oh my goodness, what a trade. When we give God our forgiveness, he gives us abundant grace. When we give God, when we give God everything and we give him our heart, if you ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life today and you gave him your heart for the first time, he has begun a good work in you. And today God has given you salvation. He has written your name in the Lamb's book of life. And if you don't know what that is, ask your pastor. I'm sure he'd be very excited to tell you he has made heaven your eternal home. And in Luke 8, we read that a seed has been planted in your heart. So if you ask Jesus into your heart for the first time this morning, read Luke chapter 8 and talk to a pastor or a brother or sister that's strong in the faith here next to you. Because church, we all need each other to help encourage us and water those seeds so they will grow. We need to come alongside one another and encourage each other in the faith. If you ask Jesus into your heart for the first time this morning, please, please tell somebody. So what what am I here to talk about besides all of these things? Well, I am so excited to share with you about the treasure house and storing up our treasure in heaven. If you could go ahead and go to that next slide there. I first met your pastor, Pastor Ron, in Fiji. (laughs) Um, I was uh, part of a trip. I was going to visit the treasure house. Um, As uh, your pastor explained, my husband and I have been missionaries in Indonesia for many years. And in 2020, 
I accepted uh, the the leadership position at the directorship of Asia's, Asia's Little Ones. And Asia's Little Ones serves the whole region of Asia Pacific. So at current, we have about 27 projects in 12 countries. And so I get to travel around and do what I'm doing here and raise, last year we raised over a half a million dollars for compassion projects across the region. Praise God. Praise God for the faithfulness of his people and what God is doing in the lives of kids and through missionaries. I also get to travel to these places and I get to go, come alongside these ministries and offer whatever I can to help them, to help them to grow, to encourage them in areas where they're weak. Just because you're a missionary and you're called to a country doesn't mean that you might know how to run a children's home. It doesn't mean that you have all the, the resources or the wealth of information to open a tutoring center. It doesn't mean that you have ever done a feeding ministry and taking care of hundreds of kids every week. And so Asia's little ones, I get to empower so many of our missionaries across the Asia Pacific region in these areas. Things that Tim and I did for years without realizing it was something unique. <laughs> that God, we, we went through all of those struggles sometimes. But God had prepared us to do those things in Indonesia. And now we get to help all of Asia Pacific and make sure that those things are successfully happening for kids. And one of those is in Fiji. The treasure house, um, I, when I met Pastor Ron, he was there to come alongside uh, Pastor Brian Webb, another missionary friend of ours, and to lead a team of college students. And one of the things they were going to be doing is visiting the same home that I just happened to be in Fiji at the same time to be ministering with. And Treasure House has been a project with Asia's Little Ones since 2020, since it started. Um, I'm sorry, not 2020. 2000, since the year 2000. So it has been open over 20 years. You can see where those numbers would all kind of like, there's a lot of twos in there. Anyway, so it's been open over 20 years. The year 2000, Treasure House opened. And when Pastor Ron stepped onto the campus for the first time and met the kids, he said, this is it. You have to come to Oak Grove Assembly, and you have to share about Treasure House because God wants us to be a part of these kids' lives. And I'm here. <laughs> so that's the backstory. But let me tell you about the Treasure House. If you could go to that next slide. These are some of the kids. There are over 20 kids at Treasure House, 21 to be precise. Um, providentially, uh, a young missionary was visiting someone at the hospital in the year 2000 and learned of an unwanted abandoned baby that had been left there. That baby ended up coming home with that missionary, and Treasure House began. Today, as I said, there are 21 children, five of whom are highly special needs and have severe physical handicaps. They will be wards of the state and call Treasure House their home for their lifetime. Before I share even more about the Treasure House and the kids, um, I have a video I want to show you 
uh, to give you a tour of the home. You could play that. That would be awesome. also give you a little history of Fiji to help you understand the kids at our home. There are over 300 islands in Fiji. I don't know if you knew that. Most people think when they go to Fiji, they're just going to one island. <laughs> but there's actually 300, over 300 in the country of Fiji. The main island that you would fly into um, is that big one. Uh, it's not very bright on here, <laughs> but it's on this side. Um, if you turn and see that screen, you can see all the fun colors. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but the history of Fiji is important to understanding our kids and understanding this home. And the reason is that it was once a British colony. Now, if you know anything about the way that the British colonized in most of the places across Asia, Many of their colonies were working colonies, were colonies where they went and they established themselves because of the resources that were there, and they needed a workforce. And so in many of the places that the British went across Asia and Asia Pacific, they brought slaves with them to work, and they brought them from India. And so today, subsequently, the population is only 51% native Fijian, that is Melanesian, Polynesian. 44% Hindu, Indian. And 5% European and Chinese. Not what you expected, right? It wasn't what I expected either. I didn't expect our tour guide to be like, to, to be excited to take us to an Indian Hindu temple in Fiji, but he was. In so many ways, the enemy has been out to steal, kill, and destroy the hope and future of these children. You see, a Fijian child, if they lose their mother or father, or both, they are never an orphan. Because the village, the community of Fijian, Melanesian, Polynesian, native Fijian, 
will take them in. Many of them are Catholic or Protestant. Many of them have Christian background and influence. If you were watching the World Cup at all and you saw Team Fiji, or if you were watching the Olympics at all and you saw Team Fiji, or if you Google it and you want to look it up, they will sing praise and worship songs at these events to get pumped up. It's amazing. It's incredible. And that, that's if you're a Melanesian, Polynesian, Fijian child without a severe handicap. But if you are born an Indian child in Fiji, or Indo-Fijian is what they would say, you come from a Hindu background, which means if something bad happened to you, like being born an orphan, coming into this world and losing your mother and father, or being abandoned, or being severely handicapped, then you must have done something in your former life that was really bad, and now you have to walk through a life of suffering to compensate for it. An Indian child who is an orphan does not get welcomed in, does not get received, because it's perceived that there may be a curse over them, that they may be bad luck, that it may harm you, to help them. And many of our kids, in fact, all but all but just a couple are either fully Indian or they are half Indian, half Fijian and accepted by neither. They are truly outcasts in their own country among their own people. These kids are beautiful. They're amazing. I wish they could all turn around and I could show you their faces. As wards of the state of Fiji, that is one of the rules that you can't show their faces. Um, And that is for their protection. I do have one photo, though, that I want to show you that I got permission to show you. If you'd put up that next, uh, the next slide. This is the newest little baby at the treasure house. She's a little Indian girl who was abandoned at the hospital. Nobody wants her. She is beautiful. She is precious in the sight of God. She was about three weeks old this summer when we were there. And I got to hold her. God has big plans for these kids. Over the last 20-plus years, God has used Treasure House in the lives of these children. And we, church, have the opportunity to be a part of that. We have an opportunity to give, to store up treasure in heaven. You see, the enemy has been out to steal and kill and destroy the hope and the future of this little girl and of all of the others at Treasure House for so, so long. In fact, even COVID hit them pretty hard, not in the fact that the kids got COVID, but in the fact that the owners of the house they were renting got COVID. And both 
the, the couple, the wife and the husband, passed away in May or June of this year. It was June of this year. And so the house that the treasure house has been living in, that these kids have called home all these years, is now being disputed by the children of the former owners. While Pastor Ron and I were there, the day before we arrived at the orphanage, Ulamina, the director that you see in this picture, she could hardly keep her composure and talk to us and share with us the day that we came because she received the day before an eviction notice. That these kids were going to lose their home. That they were going to have to find a new place. And they, they had always operated under a very generous covering from this couple, so the rent had always been very low. But by, by the end of the year, by January 1st, they have to be out. So that beautiful home you saw with the rainbow, that was like as we drove up, there was that rainbow above the house. It was incredible. I was like, wow, God, are you trying to tell me something <laughs> about the promise you have for these young people? And then after taking that picture of that beautiful rainbow over that home and then finding out that they were losing that home by the end of this year, you can imagine as the director of Asia's little ones who, I, you know, I send them funds, I help them as much as I can, how heartbreaking that was for me as well and for Pastor Ron. So... What happened after that? What has transpired? I have one last slide to show you. Ulamina and her husband, her husband is a shipping captain, and she had just received her, um, her counseling license. She was, uh, her husband was going to help her build a counseling center. She was raising up another leader for Treasure House because she was going to step into a new ministry. And they prayed and felt like God was putting that all on hold. And the land and the place that she had picked out for her counseling center, she handed back to God, and her and her husband took out a loan to build her treasure house. Now, church, they are moving before January 1st. They will celebrate their last Christmas together in the old home. And this will be finished. This is pictures from a few weeks ago. It actually does have a roof on it now. I can show you on my phone. Uh, she sent me pictures last night, so I didn't get them in the slide. But they will be moving after Christmas, the week after Christmas, into this place. And the offering that you give today will not just help to sustain them to buy food for next year and pay the bills to keep the lights on, but it will also help them immediately to move to this place, to decorate, to paint the walls beautifully for these kids, to put joy back into their hearts where they have felt a lot of pressure and despair this year. Let's give these kids a proper welcome home. Let's bless the ones that God, God himself treasures. In Psalms 10:14, it says, The helpless put their trust in you, O Lord. 
you defend the orphans. And in James 1.27, we are reminded pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt us. Church, let's defend the orphan. Let's love the outcast.